0: This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Serendipity is defined as finding interesting or valuable things by chance. Without doubt, serendipity has played a big role in the life of Karen Brock the Tasmanian winner of the AgriFutures Australia Rural Women's Award. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. Karen has spent a large part of her life in the horticulture industry in Tasmania and right now she's changing the face of growing and supplying commercial fruit trees with her work in plant tissue pathology. Plant breeders create new varieties by cross-pollination, a practice dating back to when humans first looked to the soil for food. For plants that may not have seeds or the ability to cross pollinate, one way of replicating large numbers of exact copies of a plant is by using plant tissue culture, where small cuttings of the plant are grown in a gel like substance. Karen Brock, however, is on the crest of a new wave of tissue culture techniques, growing plant tissue in water. But we get ahead of ourselves. Karen lives in the beautiful Tamar Valley in Tasmania, north of Launceston, an enviable address. So I wanted to know if the Tamar Valley was where she was born or had it captured her. And therein lies a story of serendipity.
1: It was just a matter of expediency, I think is the the word, of how I landed here, Chris. I was actually raised an hour away in the Western Tears region of um, Deloraine. Neander Deloraine sort of sits right underneath the tears.
0: Yeah, and so when you say expediency, what do you mean there?
1: <laughs> well, I lost my job as a cut flower manager at a facility at, at Deloraine and part of it had a nursery and I thought, well, I don't have a job and I've got two young children. Let's see, you know, how I can start the nursery again. So I rang the licensee and said look, this particular patented plant's going to be on the market. Can I have the licence? And he said, Karen, it's yours if you find a nursery in a week. And you just go, oh, heck, how the hell am I going to find a nursery in a week in Tasmania? So I rang my dear friend who was overseas at the time and said, this is the deal, and he said to me, go and see this person. So I came along and it was actually an abandoned research station. It was a place that had been looking at tissue culture back in the late 80s in eucalyptus research that was actually quite innovative for its time and so I was literally surrounded by eucalypts of various shapes and sizes because they had all these different breeding programs here and they were still even when I moved here they would come in as cherry pickers every year and harvest that seed and sell it all around the world for plantation purposes.
0: That was very serendipitous, wasn't it, in terms of what you were looking for and your future career?
1: Well, they say, you know, sometimes you're kissed by an angel in certain places, and I was. It is an absolutely beautiful area, and the whole... Region is a very community-based region, like everybody helps in. Like if you get bogged with a tractor, everybody steps up and comes and helps you out. If there's a fire next door, the whole neighbourhood rocks up in a hurry. Very, very close-knit network neighbourhood out here, Chris.
0: The wonderful thing about living in the country, isn't it? Absolutely. So you seem to have two hats, Karen. You seem to have two hats. One is a wholesale horticultural business. And the other, almost a research business, is it?
1: It is. And it is two hats. And for many years, we were a wholesale ornamental sales business. And then, again, one of those serendipitous things, I kept getting really, really sick every winter. And each winter would get worse. And I would be pleurisy and pneumonia and antibiotic after antibiotic and in the end, I had asthma so bad that I was on the nebulizer hourly just to get here. And I was really concerned that oh. I was going to keep surviving. So the doctor I went to, he said to me, I want you to stay out of the nursery for a week and take a blood tests, And, you know, you feel like a bit of a vampire factory, really. And when I went back, he said, so how'd you go this week? And I said, well, something's working because I can now go four hours between the nebulizer, And what had happened was, years ago, we were actually growing cauliflowers for seed in the ground, and I had picked up a fungal infection out of the ground without it being diagnosed as a fungal infection. And for years, it had been residing in my lungs and just getting worse. And the potting mix, the spores in it, my body was actually reacting to it. So every week I was out there potting flat out, and then I'd end up in bed for three or four days, and then you'd get better, and then you'd go back at it and pot again. So I was told to leave my job. Oh, wow. And that's how the tissue culture side came about. So we basically chop up plants in sterile conditions. In a small facility, we can fit a lot of plants. And so we then ran the two businesses side by side. So, yes, we are still doing production horticulture, but not so much amenity horticulture now to the garden centres and things like that. And we are doing the tissue culture to agribusiness, blueberry farms, raspberries, cherry rootstocks, avocados.
0: So at one point, I guess you had to go and learn all about tissue plant pathology.
1: Okay. I'll take a step back. So at that time that illness was happening, we were importing plants In culture, what we call plants in culture. So these things would turn up like two centimetres tall and they'd be in a takeaway container of jelly and they'd be sitting quite happily unless the courier would tip them upside down and give them a merry ride. So we were then putting them in our facility and those plants would suddenly come out of that little incubator tub and we would grow roots on them. And I actually went to a course at University Queensland and learnt what was actually happening to those plants before we received them. And if I understand that, can I do a better job? Like instead of losing 20%, I might be able to lose 5% in managing those plants. I suddenly came home and realised that I had hit on a very big awakening in my life and that is we're going to learn how to do tissue culture. So my poor husband suddenly lost the laundry to coke fridges set up with lights and little reptile heaters and I had little pressure cooker out there and I started making media and learning from one of the great teachers in Australia actually Rhonda Fossard and my chemistry teacher would have been having a heart attack because I was absolutely hopeless at chemistry at school and suddenly here I was learning about elements taking over the laundry Learning about elements and doing balance of ions, tables and molecular weights, all the things I didn't understand when I was a teenager. And so I started mm. making my own media and particularly in blueberries is how we got started. So what would happen is a breeder would breed a blueberry. Now, he's only got usually one plant. And out of that one plant, he wants to suddenly turn it into lots of plants because the reality is that plant probably took 18 years to develop. So if you've spent 18 years working on getting this plant that produces amazing fruit, you can understand that they actually want to get into the market and into the growers as quickly as possible. Blueberry cuttings, per se, have a very low rate. So some years with my blueberry cuttings, I might get 70% if I was lucky. Other years, it might be 40% success rate. So you have a lot of space taken up in your nursery for these cuttings with a lot of dead sticks around. And quite often you didn't know what the returns were. With the culture method, we make a particular recipe, I'll call it, and we put in there sugar and we put in there plant growth hormones, and we then add, you know, the ammonium nitrates and the potassiums and all that sort of thing to that media. And the plant says, Oh, this is pretty nice in here. It's like a little incubator. We'll grow in here and they'll usually grow quickly like in eight weeks you can have a nice little stem that's shot up that's about four to five centimetres tall and then you go and chop that into four pieces and you put it into another container and the same thing happens every eight weeks so it's a bit like nuclear fusion you have one that suddenly Mm. becomes four that suddenly becomes 16.
0: Now you're moving more to a water-based system which is what I think is called if I've got it right here, temporary immersion system. Is that what you're talking about?
1: That's correct. So basically, we're moving towards a hydroponic system. So we've still got to put a little bit of sugar in there. We've still got to put our nutrients in there, but there's no gel. There's no seaweed-based agar. So that's got a big positive effect from an environmental perspective because seaweed-based products has become quite in demand and the coastal waters are warming in the areas that this seaweed is harvested. So there's different areas around the world that the seaweed's harvested. So long term, it's not actually sustainable to keep using seaweed as a base product. So number one, we're moving away from that. Number two, the lack of the carbohydrate or the agar in the media reduces the ability for fungal spores to promulgate and also with the hydroponic feeding of the plants, it's like the hydroponic tomatoes, they grow faster and they'll uptake more nutrients because the gel actually sucks the nutrients in a bit and they have to fight with the gel sometimes to get nutrients out of it. If that's not there, it's all nutrients for the plant. Now the problem is, where do you find out how much is too much? of an element for a plant, like potassium phosphate, in agar gel you might need a certain amount, but in a liquid you might need to reduce it down to a quarter of what you were using because it's so readily available. And so suddenly with these new systems you get what we call toxic effect.
0: So that's where you're active in the research, is it? That's Finding correct. out just how to grow these things in water.
1: That's correct. At the moment, yeah, we're looking at different systems. There's even one that's been developed within Australia that we're looking at as well that's superseding some of the products that I've seen overseas. So what's happening now is that the actual physical infrastructure has improved, but getting the knowledge for what to put in the physical infrastructure is where it's becoming quite tricky. So some plants might like a jar and some plants might need a container.
0: It gets down to that.
1: It gets down to that. A
0: jar or a container. Yep. I suppose we've all sort of put cuttings of some soft plant into water and watch the roots grow and that sort of thing but you're actually talking about hard stemmed plants aren't you that you're growing roots from in this new system
1: absolutely and one of the big dangers with this new system is that if it grows rapidly it can be (laughs) you can actually end up with a twisted mass and you've done incredibly well there's just one problem They've all twisted in amongst themselves because they've grown so fast. They just look like a a tangled ball of wool that the cats run out across the floor. And when you chop them up, you've actually got crooked trees. Now, I've yet to find a farmer that wants a crooked tree delivered to him at the end of it. And so that's why I'm saying sometimes it depends on the container as to how straight those plants grow and how they're actually placed in there. And that's a part of this learning curve as well.
0: Are you uh, delivering plants to your customers using this new uh, system Where, where you're basically growing it in water?
1: Not at this stage. We're still research at this stage on this new system. So with the research side of things, we successfully grow plants through to the final stage because sometimes we need to make sure that when we take them out of the hydroponic water that they actually do go and get roots on them properly in the greenhouse because sometimes they're so lush and so full of life inside those containers that when you take them outside the culture shock is too much that you might need to do an in-between stage. Those plants are all destroyed as per what we do with our research side of the business and then we will look at what learnings we got out of that and eventually we will move over to being totally temporary immersion systems for growing our plants. But at this stage, it's research only, Chris.
0: So, Karen, what is the advantage of moving to this new system of growing tissue in water as opposed to the old system? Now, accept what you say about possible future shortage of the right seaweed, but are there other advantages?
1: So, because the nutrient system is so rich, quite often, like, with one little plant that we've chopped up, we may get four plants in say an eight week period. With this system that can actually go to 10 plants in an eight weeks period. In fact you wouldn't leave it there for eight weeks, you'd have a bit of a problem untangling them all. So you can go to say six to seven plants within a four week period. So what you're getting is a double of your numbers in, in the same time frame which means that you can then put through more plants on the same footprint. So If you've got 10,000 plants that you're putting through a particular rack and every eight weeks you have to turn them over, you may be doing that every four weeks. And so therefore, down the track, you get to the numbers that you need to achieve and you can actually make a more efficient system. The biggest issue, of course, is having the labour or enough people around to chop up the plants because that can be an issue as well. You fix one problem and you get another one we're already looking at different systems of how to chop up plants in a faster, more efficient manner as well.
0: What sort of quantity are you talking about then if you, if labour is becoming an issue?
1: I've got an amazing team here at the moment of four and they're chopping up like three quarters of a million plants a year. Now, if you double that, where are you going to put the plants? We don't have that amount of workstations. There's only so much that the ladies and gentlemen can do down there. So we actually have to look at Is the traditional technique of chopping up a plant applicable or should we be looking at other techniques of chopping up plants? That's all part of this whole project process too, of looking at efficiencies of how we move down the track of how we actually deal with the plants once you get the numbers achieved.
0: And what species of plants are we talking about here?
1: We're doing cherry rootstocks, apple rootstocks, particularly apples is the big focus this year. And also we're doing blueberries, and raspberries. They're the key plants that we're putting through temporary immersion systems at the moment.
0: Is there any benefit to the plant growth or its productivity further down once it's been through, I suppose, the hydroponic system as opposed to the gel system? Are the plants better at providing fruit, et cetera?
1: No, their genetic code is, is exactly as it was programmed before they went into the laboratory. So they will produce the same amount of fruit as what their DNA will allow them to do, um, depending on the environmental circumstances too, of course. But the actual growth of the plant will be faster in establishing itself in a farm paddock. We will theoretically get faster growth when they move into the nursery situation where my husband works. And then theoretically that will transfer into the paddock and they will establish their root zone in a faster and more vigorous manner but by the time they get to a year down the track, you wouldn't know that those plants were any different to the traditional agar plant or even the cutting-grown plant.
0: Karen, when does this all go commercial?
1: We aim to be commercial, particularly with the apples, by about February, February, March. The reason being is that we want the apples to make sure that we've got the numbers for the growers that have been affected by the fires at Batlow and Bilpin and Adelaide Hills. They are doing a really big replant at the moment.
0: And I suppose the the more rapid growth would suit them down to the ground because, as you say, they've lost a lot of stock.
1: Yes. Under their traditional methods of what they're doing, it's eight years before they can get back to providing fruit. By going this particular direction, with tissue culture and quick-growing plants, once they get out in the paddock, they're looking at four years to get fruit into production again. So that's like 50% of the time frame that they were looking at originally.
0: That's great. So, Karen, you received a $10,000 bursary courtesy of Westpac as a a part of winning the Rural Women's Award in Tasmania. Have you spent all that money yet, or what are your plans for it?
1: No, I actually haven't. All I've done is spend a very small portion on, had a custom rocker system made so that I could do some experimental media. So because of COVID-19, I was going to actually go and visit three professors they had access into laboratories for me to go and have a look at these three different systems working. So COVID-19 sort of like knocked that a little bit back. So not to be daunted, I've jumped onto to webcam and ordered the systems we've actually purchased ourselves. So at this stage, it's still sitting nicely in the, in the Westpac bank
0: okay that's good all right well look Karen it's a fascinating area you're in and it's clearly one that you love dearly I mean researchers are the people who love their job the most I reckon
1: oh we have to be we have so many failures Chris we have to to love our job But we learn from those failures.
0: Yes, absolutely, all the time. All right, Karen, look, thank you very much for sharing your story with us and all the best and maybe we can talk to you again at some point in the future.
1: (laughs) That would be absolutely lovely. Thanks, Chris.
0: Karen Brock, the Tasmanian winner of the AgriFutures Australia Rural Women's Award, which is supported by Westpac with a $10,000 bursary for each state winner. Karen is fairly typical of the innovation and determination of the women who won this award and I have the privilege of talking to more winners over coming weeks. So keep listening. I'm Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia.